1: You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.
0: Hey, how's it going? Welcome to episode number 292 of Locked On Raptors for, I guess this is coming out Monday, March 12th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of LockedOnRaptors.com and RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter at WoodleySean. Find the show at LockedOnRaptors. You can find links to every single episode. Uh, Of course, make sure you're checking out the Locked On Podcast Network, all the 30 NBA shows, the Locked On Fantasy show, Locked On NBA, all 32 NFL shows as well as free agency gets going here. A lot of stuff happening in the NFL right now. Shouts to the San Francisco 49ers for not sucking so much anymore. Um, And, yeah, if you find a show that you like on the network, make sure you subscribe to it separately on iTunes. Leave a rating, leave a review, and you can do that with us. Find Locked On Raptors on iTunes. The ratings and reviews really help, guys. It's very uh, easy and quick and simple to do. It costs no money. It takes like two seconds to do and uh, very much helps out with the algorithms and my ego and all that good stuff. So thank you so much uh, in advance for doing that. Alright, on today's show, I'm very excited. This is going to be a fun one. Uh, I'm joined by one of the most indispensable Raptors Twitter follows, one of the smartest people on Raptors Twitter as well, and someone who I said I was going to get on the podcast at the start of the year and then sat up my ass for an entire season and forgot to get him on. Uh, It's Cooper Smither from Raptors Republic, Raptors Playbook. How you doing, man? I'm
2: good. How are you?
0: I'm excellent. I'm very happy to have you on the show. Uh, This is an interesting one. So... Normally, I'll like we'll talk about the games that happened or whatever. We're recording this just before the Knicks game. Uh, I'm not imagining that's going to be a very interesting game because the Knicks are one in 14 in the last 15. The Raptors haven't lost to a bad team in ages, so I kind of just want to pick your brain a little bit because Raptors fans, they know you uh, from from Twitter, from you know your great diagnosis of, of Raptors sets and your great analysis, and you just you do such an excellent job and it's such a great resource for Raptors fans to go to if they really want to dig deep and nerd out. Um, so I just, I guess my first question for you is how did you get into the very niche world of diagnosing raptor sets? Like, is there some sort of coaching background that you have? Uh, how did you get involved with this, uh, with this sort of line of writing?
2: Yeah, it's, um, probably not a traditional pathway to it. Um, I don't have any competitive basketball experience beyond playing pickup. Um, I probably started watching, Uh, the Raptors play on like a daily basis in 13-14 I was always a fan of basketball but uh, yeah around that time I really got into basketball and just started reading and watching everything I could so guys like Zach Lowe were a great introductory into the strategic side of basketball but yeah that always really interested me so I went out of my way to teach myself other strategic parts of basketball like X's and O's and different play calls so there's a tons of great resources on YouTube where you can watch coaching clinics or just people that have compiled set plays Um, and it's actually gone a lot better over the last, especially the last year or so with guys like Ben Falk and uh, Dylan Murphy Mm -hmm. they're really fantastic writers that that do similar things to what I'm doing but on a league wide level Um, yeah so basically I kind of taught myself I don't really have a coaching background outside of the NBA, more so taught myself based on the NBA
0: well, that's uh, bloody impressive because I'm very similar. Not much basketball playing in my day, but uh, I try to teach myself stuff. I obviously got to a way lesser level than you. Um, And, uh, no, it's really impressive. So, like, what's your process for watching a game then? Because, like, for me, it used to be I would try to take, like, copious notes and stuff, but now there's just, for me, there's just so many excellent resources like yourself and, you know, guys like Dan Hackett and obviously Blake and Will and those guys. Like, I have taken more of a... I don't know, maybe like a larger scale look at this season as opposed to sort of diving in uh, on the X's and O's. I mean, I wrote a thing yesterday that was like the first X's and O's related thing I've written in a while. Um, And, uh, you know, so maybe our, our processes for watching a game differ. Like how you're setting up to watch a game Maybe not this Knicks game because it's easy going, but so the Rockets game on Friday. Uh, what's your sort of process for setting up, and how are you watching the game? Are you like watching it all the way through and then rewinding? Are you like stopping after every play to sort of diagnose what happened? Uh, what's your sort of game day styling?
2: Um, I've gotten into a pretty good groove of it where I'd no longer have to kind of go back to see the set plays because I've probably seen them. A 100 times before especially with the raptors because i'm watching them on a like every game basis Mm -hmm. um but when it comes to just watching a game i'm usually writing notes or keeping track of set plays that i want to go back and clip later um so if i'm mentioning a play a bunch of different times on my twitter feed odds are i've already kind of done a breakdown of that before and i've written about it so that way everyone else kind of knows about it as well But uh, off to the side, I'm making notes about set plays that I want to break down in the future, or just different kind of um, interesting film things, like Siakam running the break and going coast to coast. That's a really interesting thing for me, because maybe someday he's a guy that'll handle the ball, and Mm -hmm. so if I have some film on that to look on later on, that'll be a good resource. But yeah, in terms of what I'm doing when I'm watching a game, I am kind of taking notes and keeping timestamps of things that I want to clip later in regards to having film. Um, but the way I'm seeing plays is I've probably seen them a hundred times before is the the short end of it.
0: Fair enough. Um, so how is this season compared to last in terms of just... You know the the sort of the, the array of plays the Raptors are going to. How interesting has it been for you? Because on one hand, the Raptors are you know busting up more sets than I think we've probably ever seen, and I and, and I'm interested to hear sort of the comparison in in you know in terms of this season compared to seasons past. Uh, but at the same time, like there's a lot of games where they're just blowing the hell out of teams, and it's not all that interesting. So how has this team compared? Is it more interesting to follow for you as someone who dives into this stuff? Um.
2: I would say interesting in the sense that it's it's a pretty different playbook relative to years before not to say that they don't run any of the same stuff they actually probably run if i was just gonna kind of ballpark it maybe let's say 50 to 60 percent of the same playbook they've run in years previously like you're there's a play called like wedge staggered they run that in crunch timer a lot it's a screen the screener play on the side of the floor for a pick and roll they still run that a lot they ran that in previous years Mm -hmm. but they definitely um lean more towards what I guess people would call motion sets. Sometimes I'll refer to it as like a continuity set because generally when people are talking about motion, they're talking about kind of the Spurs action and these are a bit different, Mm -hmm. but they're similar in the sense that it's not, we're trying to get this guy the ball. Like this guy's going to score on this play, this play specifically for him. The plays they're running now more, um, stuff that are called like double drag continuity series. um, They're plays where every single action has some sort of purpose that the Raptors can score off of. Mm-hmm. And in years past they've had motion sets um, especially after the Wizards series the following year uh, they tried going to a motion offense and then by the t- so in preseason they were going into it maybe let's say three quarters of the time by all star break it was 0% of the time right. and that trend kind of happened every year and so I was skeptical this year that they would actually stick to this different type of Uh, continuity or motion-based offense, but they absolutely haven't. I think a big part of that is the bench. They are pretty relentless in their use of it, and they're really good at it, so it kind of forces the starters to keep it in their minds as well.
1: The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Yeah, I find with the bench, because there's not like a singular guy who can kind of create off the dribble, they're kind of forced to play like that, and obviously... It's been super useful. I and mean, when you have a guy like CJ Miles, who you can run off a million screens and, and actions to sort of get open for his threes, I mean, why not do that? Um, so, like in terms of like the depth of the playbook, you know, how many like is there? just been more work for you to do this season in terms of like clipping stuff because obviously it's it seems like they've kind of expanded their horizons a little bit compared to the past.
2: Uh, yeah, I, I would definitely say it's a little bit harder because um, the things just look less scripted, right? They kind of look like their players playing pickup in a gym and just constantly moving, Right. when in reality it's it, it's not like that because professional basketball can't be like that at any level, there's a high amount of coaching and everyone's a very good coach regardless of what people have said about Dwayne Casey in the past um, yeah, so in terms of seeing the specific actions it definitely has taken longer, but instead of getting uh, 10 set plays at the start of the year that it can clip up, maybe i will get half as many throughout the year but yeah it's it's all interesting to me anyways
0: what's your reaction when you see them bust something else like something new out like is it like a like a visceral reaction for you where they're like oh man this is new like this is awesome like or or does it happen very often or uh, are they kind of set in their ways at this point
2: um even even in previous years they'll they'll be just a random game or two or they'll start doing something new i remember one year um I'd really wanted them to run, it's called a snug pick-and-roll, and basically it's a pick-and-roll where the ball handler starts in the low post, mm-hmm. and that's really interesting, because Lowry and DeRozan are both very good pick-and-roll players, but they can both kind of get to the low post as well, which is a rare blend, mm-hmm. uh, and then one year they kind of incorporated that into one of their sets, I'm like, oh, that's a really cool thing, and then they stopped doing it after. What <laughs> happens uh, this year, too, they've, they've added a new end-of-quarter play, I, I would call it a year set, where um, the screener pretends to go set a ball screen but then he's setting a wide pin down for CJ Miles.
0: I mm-hmm. um,
2: think that one's going to stick but yeah stuff like that definitely happens and when stuff is not the same as what you've seen for I don't know three or four years you notice it so yeah def- I guess a visceral reaction is right
0: fair enough who's your favorite Raptor to watch and like dig up clips for so maybe this is a two pronged thing who's your favorite guy to watch with the ball in his hands and then who's your favorite guy to watch off ball
2: um I think Lowry, when he's at his best, is, is a super interesting player because when he's at his peak and to his top performance, he's their best shooter on and off the ball. He's their best passer. He's a very, very good driver. He's an incredible screener. So Lowry, when he's really on, is a, a pretty fascinating player to watch. Um, and then CJ Miles, I think I mentioned this a couple of games ago, but the work he does before he gets to the ball and before he uses a screen to set up his defender it's exhausting to watch but yeah from that perspective he he's a really fascinating player just even in terms of footwork he's uh he's really good
0: fair enough for you when you're watching games what's easier for you to break down is it offense or defense and like what do you have more fun watching
2: um i would say offense is easier because it's easier to ascribe intent from whether it's the players or the coaching staff right defense I think it takes a bit longer and even then you might even say okay they're trying to do this and it could have been happenstance that's why the playoffs are more interesting to me because you know they actually care about the seven game series on a very deep level and they're thinking about everything in very precise terms whereas a random game in January it might just be that it happened that they covered this pick and roll in this way so offense I I would definitely say it's easier um, but defense just depending on especially if it's something like the playoffs it can be similarly as interesting but it definitely takes more time to make sure they actually intended to do the things you're saying they're doing
0: (laughs) fair enough um so you mentioned the playoffs and you know the, the the questions are still there and lingering as to whether or not the offense is going to be sustainable once again Based on what you've seen, based on what they're running this season, are they a bit more playoff-proof in terms of, you know, what they're running and in sort of how they're approaching offense? Because I feel like it's a little bit lazy for people to be like, oh, yeah, they're just going to choke in the playoffs again, when all the data suggests that they're just, like, a vastly different and better team than in the past. But is there any sort of red flag in terms of what they're running that, you know, keeps you up at night worrying about maybe this, is this going to actually translate to the playoffs this time around?
2: I think the biggest difference that I'd say will will do well for them in the playoffs is everyone's um, kind of persistence in terms of shooting the ball when you have a good look, regardless of if you're in a cold streak or a hot streak. In years past, players like Patrick Patterson, who I've really loved, he's, he's refused to take open shots. Terrence Ross has refused to take open shots. PJ Tucker with his foot on the line either oh took God. that shot or, or didn't take it, right? Whereas this year, rookies like OG and Anobi is still shooting an open corner three even if he's missed like 20 straight shots. Siakam has been a horrific three-point shooter in his career who I have a lot of hope for and he still takes an open shot so in terms of that um, the offense will probably survive more because the players will continue to make the defense pay for giving them open looks whereas in years past um, that's kind of been the death of them in that Cleveland series last year. It was really hard to watch because those guys just stopped taking open shots which is the point of an offense right you're supposed to create an advantage and then execute on it and they refuse to execute
1: the nba playoffs are right around the corner and locked on nba is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama every monday jackson gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league helping to break down the nba playoffs Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Yeah, that was uh, uh, terribly frustrating for, I think, everybody. Um, And yeah, the the, the Patrick Patterson, the, the travel on the wide open three is going to stay with me for a very, very long time. At least until the Raptors win a playoff series or two. Um, back to sort of what the work you do and your craft of it. So, what's the biggest challenge for you when you're when you're doing this stuff? Because I can't imagine it's easy to sort of relay these like con- these complex principles and ideas through print. I mean, I, I struggle with it terribly. That's why I kind of stopped doing it because I wasn't any good at it. Um, is that sort of the biggest issue with you? Is there something else that you know you kind of struggled with to sort of get across the message because I mean, you're doing really highly advanced stuff, and you do it incredibly well, um, but is there a challenge that comes with that as well? Yeah,
2: I, I think communication is 100% the most difficult part of, of even if it's not X's and O's, it could be something about statistics. Right. It's just that people are more inclined in basketball at this point to know about advanced statistics than they are about strategy, because there's been a black box over it for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, that was part of the reason why I created that somewhat separate YouTube channel Raptors playbook because I was kind of tired of ex- re-explaining a concept after I've already written about it and compiled lots of film on it extensively Right. so it's pretty easy for me to now refer to okay this is the set play this is now when I'm writing about a variation I don't have to explain the entire concept again um, but yeah communication and kind of walking the line between okay I want to explain this in depth and get everything right as well as this is incredibly dry and I don't know What ten people are going to read about this? (laughs) Um, Communication is one hundred percent the probably the most difficult part.
0: Do you find it's getting any easier as maybe the fan base starts? I mean, people find your stuff obviously, and you know, there's so many good Raptors writers and bloggers out there that are covering this type of thing. Like, is it getting easier? Is it sort of is the fan base kind of wising up a little bit to maybe sort of be able to digest this stuff a little bit easier? Um,
2: Yeah, I'd say so. I, I think more people have found my work this year which is nice so Mm -hmm. i guess in terms of that there's a wider audience at least that's that's open to hearing about stuff from my perspective and and guys like blake murphy as you mentioned he does some good video work um will will do it as well so i think even in terms of not the most specific niche guys like me but even just more of the bigger guys and um they're writing with video as well and guys like zach Lowe and ben falk as i mentioned they help it as well because if the general thing is more about strategy, then kind of trickles down to everyone else.
0: Fair enough. A couple more for you. What's your favorite Raptors regularly used set right now?
2: Um, I'll do one that I've covered so far. Um, like I, I mentioned it earlier, I refer to it as the double drag continuity series. Mm-hmm. Um, a drag screen is a pick and roll in transition, coming from the side of the floor to the middle of the floor. So a double drag would be a double screen. Uh, double pick and roll in transition, but really the Raptors don't even look to score off that initial action. They'll have those two screeners kind of continue into a, an off ball staggered screen, and then from there they just kind of continue into a bunch of different options until they find a score. So that kind of is uh, it's pretty emblematic of their season so far in terms of um, not having set plays that are so uh so prescribed to scoring in one manner it's more so we're gonna score and force the defense to defend for 24 seconds
0: right on so people listening make sure when you're watching raptors games like i always love this when i like read your stuff and then i see the play actually happen in the game um, it's really cool because it's it's not always the easiest stuff to pick up on. And it feels like you're going up a level when you kind of see the same thing that you're seeing because uh, you're really damn good at what you do. Um, and I made a joke about this yesterday, but I mean it entirely earnestly. Like whenever you retweet a thing that I do, it means that I know I didn't do something very stupid in, in the piece. So um, we appreciate the hell out of what you do, Cooper. And people, make sure you follow him at CoopNBA. NBA. Uh, any parting shots here, anything I missed? Anything, I mean, oh, I I wanted to ask, why no more Onions Baby Onions? I know you have to, like, (laughs) put your name behind stuff, but Onions Baby Onions, do you still have that Twitter handle, like, somewhere hidden? Like, do you have a separate account where you just, like, kept that Twitter handle? Because so, it was so good.
2: No, no, I got rid of that. (laughs) And, uh, at one point I just decided, okay, I'll kind of use a somewhat, uh, somewhat version of my name. Right. Um. Actually, the blog where I archive every article I've written is still Onions Baby Onions. I don't think people even know that exists. Um, but yeah, so that that's kind of still for me. But in terms of the, uh, the Twitter handle, I think that's up for grabs. So you could snag that if you wanted
0: I might have to go out and do that um, yeah it was always nice I mean it's nice to like actually know your name and stuff to be able to have you on a podcast and stuff now but uh, it was nice just this this random Raptors Twitter guy with the handle onions baby onions being an absolute basketball savant it was kind of cool um, so uh, I miss those days but glad that uh, you're you're Going on, you seem like you're on the come up this season, which I'm very happy to see because again, you're like one of the most indispensable people on Raptors Twitter. Uh, where do you have anything you want to plug right now that you've written recently, or that where people can find you? Um,
2: yeah, coop, like you said, coop NBA on Twitter. Um, every two weeks, except this last month, I've been writing. Um, I've been breaking down some sort of Raptors strategic thing, generally a set play for Raptors Republic. Um, and then with each of those pieces, I accompany it with some sort of compilation video that is like three to ten minutes of video on a set play. I should have one out this Wednesday as well. I'm pretty, I like this set a lot. It's kind of similar to a motion-based one. Um, so I guess look out for that.
0: All right, Cooper. Thanks so much for coming on, and we'll uh, definitely have you on again in the future.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: All right, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, make sure you subscribe, rate, review to the podcast. It's uh, the easiest thing to do to help out the show, show your support, all that good stuff. Uh, we'll be back again on Tuesday with another episode, I'm sure. I'm not sure what we'll talk about because the Knicks game is probably going to be boring and the Nets game will be just much of the same. Uh, but there will be stuff coming up. So we'll uh, we'll dive into some more fun things this week ahead. And uh, thank you so much. We'll talk to you next time on Locked On Raptors.
1: Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast at.